Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to the Flyers Talk podcast for this Thursday, May 21st edition. As always, Katie Emmer and Jordan Hall joining you. And today, Taryn Hatcher is back with us on the pod. As always, Jordan and I are fired up to have you on the pod today. Some subjects to get into. We're going to touch on, you know, the next rumors um, pertaining to these hub cities, this popular topic. Um, We're going to have some fun getting into a possible flyer statue outside the Wells Fargo Center, which flyer we think deserves a statue, amongst many other things. But firstly, we're talking about this James Van Riemsdyk uh, interview with with you yesterday, Taryn. How did that go? What were kind of some of the highlights from that? We, We saw he was in Minnesota. He's a new dad. It had to be fun to catch up with him. Yeah, it was really cool. And the thing is, is JVR is like always really great with us because as much as he's a pro's pro and he knows how to say all the right things and how to talk to the media a certain way, when it comes to opening up, he's he's really great too. And he was saying, you know, because I asked him, I said, I, I heard the NHLPA and the NHL are in your constant communication. And he's obviously a representative to the NHLPA. And, um, and you're also a new father, and I'm sure there are lots of new experiences that come with that. How do you juggle, you know, constant phone calls that come in regards to the league and what you're going to do, and a, a newborn child? <laughs> like, how do you do that? And he said, oh, my gosh, you have, to, you have to see my text messages. Like, I'm missing words in the middle of sentences. He says, I usually have great grammar. I'm, I'm good at spelling. I, I read my text messages back sometimes, and I don't even know what they say. Uh, he said the sleep aspect is a lot, has been, you know, a, an adjustment for him. Uh, he said diaper duty is not as crazy as he expected it to be. It's actually been pretty manageable. But I think he was saying the silver lining in this all is that he's experiencing this in a in a downtime, essentially, for him versus right now the Flyers should be deep into a playoff, knock on wood, hopefully, and he would be coming back from a finger injury and he would be on low sleep. And so... I think he's hoping that by the time everything resumes, they have some kind of sleep schedule. And he said it's great, though. He said he put his boat in the water today, and they're going to go take it out, out on the lake. And I was like, cool. Am I invited? I, I love your wife. She's very nice. Can I come? I will fly to Minnesota. I, no, I will drive hey, Karen, to Karen, you're more than welcome. You're more than welcome. I was going to say, where's my invite? I'm like 15 minutes away. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. That's a real snub to you, girl. You got to work that out. <laughs> You think how and, one, yeah, how how Katie wasn't invited, um, real, but yeah, you think, yeah, think how busy he is. You know, probably some of the younger players are just playing video games and hanging out. Like James Van Reems, like just had a baby, his first kid. 
Uh, he's moving into a house in Minnesota in a few weeks. So he's having that built and probably getting ready to move. Um, he's the player rep for the Flyers, the NHLPA. So he's probably doing a ton of that stuff with the return to play committee. Um, he's, he's also just getting healthier with his finger. Um, he, he's at his in-laws. He's with his parents. Like he's got a lot going on. <laughs> he's certainly busy. So I, like um, I talk to my roommates about this all the time. Cause they're two of them are nurses. Like, and no one fathomed any kind of, you know, what would happen in a pandemic. But can you imagine you want to represent your team to the NHLPA and you want to take on that responsibility and you're cool with it. And then all of a sudden the league is in the middle of trying to stay safe during a pandemic and you're the guy repping your dressing room. Like, yeah, that's I, I don't think that's specifically what he thought would happen when he signed on. Um, but yeah, he's, it seems like he has a lot of help around him right now, which he's yeah. very thankful for. Yeah, and, and, and just, Jordan, you mentioned this too. Uh, you, you tweeted yesterday about that conference call, and, and as Taryn mentioned, he is in Minnesota. We've gone through this. But fans like that may not know or may not understand, and he did mention the in-laws. Like, why is he in Minnesota? This kid's from the East Coast. Like, what is he doing over there? He's, a, he's supposed to be out in Philly. It's like, okay, firstly, he can be where he wants. But to clear the air on that, Jordan, right, he is out there, his, and Taryn, you said this too, he's buying a house here. Minnesota isn't that bad, Philly folk. It isn't that bad. And I'm, Minnesota. I'm overdoing it on my Minnesota talk, but he's out here, right, because of his, his wife is from this area. And uh, I think just even funny before Jordan. that, he, like, loves Minnesota. Like, I think when he was young and they would travel a lot for hockey, there was obviously Minnesota such a hub for American hockey. It's the hockey state as we know, Katie, with pride. Um, but, uh, like, I've talked to him before. I think even before he met his wife, who is so awesome and does so much charity work for the Flyers, like, have to give her a shout-out, too. Um, I think he just, like, I think he just thoroughly loves it yeah. out there. You just love a good land of 10,000 lakes. Yeah. Nothing How like could you not? Especially when, like, as a girl who's from Jersey as well, like, Middletown, New Jersey, Delran, whatever, I would take a nice lake house right now with a boat. <laughs> Who wouldn't? <laughs> yeah, I think he played for the, um, I think he uh, was, he played in the USNDTP, the development program, which I believe, um, I'm pretty sure is, has facilities uh, in Minnesota. Yeah. So I think that's where he was for a while for, you know, as he was coming up as a prospect, uh, yeah. then he went to New Hampshire. So, um, so yeah, I think he has a Minnesota connection before, but obviously yeah, his wife Lauren is from there and uh, it's where his in-laws are and uh, he has a house being built there. So I guess some people were like, Oh my gosh, he left Jersey or Philly. Like why? Like he's a, he's a Jersey kid at heart, of course, yeah. but. Uh, it's okay that he's living in Minnesota. Like, sounds like it's pretty nice out there, so. Yeah, and uh, Taryn, you touched on, a, you know, some of the points from this interview. Let's get into it. I want to hear what he had to say yesterday to you. Again, here is Taryn Hatcher with James Van Ramsdyk. What do you miss most about being around the boys? What do I miss most? Um, that's a good question. I think just, like, the stupid, like, banter and stuff. We have just uh, a, um, a great group of guys. I love uh, my seat in the locker room. I was sitting next to... Raf and lots for the last uh, two years right over there at the practice rink. So, uh, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I, I can't believe I'm saying this, how much I miss those guys in particular. Um, but yeah, just being around all the guys, I think we just have such a great dynamic, uh, throughout our whole group where it's just pretty easy for 
kind of any sort of group of players uh like it's it's kind of rare when you have a, a situation where like for example on the road like you could kind of get into any city and there's not really any like clicks or anything like that that kind of always go for dinner you can kind of find your way and um pretty much grab any two or three guys and it, it, it's comfortable and, and fun and great so i think that's just again something that we all kind of miss and uh, it'll be fun when we all get back uh, together again a lot has been made, or a lot has come out at least, about how the music in the locker room works in terms of post-meetings. Jake gets, I think, 15 minutes of oldies, and then Lots kind of takes over from there. If you had to choose between Jake's iPod and Lots' iPod, whose who's music selection are you picking oh, here? Wow, that's really put me on the spot. So the, the funny thing about when Jake gets control of the music and at, on game day, or at, or at game night, I should say, is that every other door to every other room gets closed. So like the music he plays is so loud that uh, that, that like that, that the trainers close their doors and stuff like that. I mean, I love it. He's got the Bruce Springsteen going and being a Jersey guy, uh, he's one of my favorites. But uh, yeah, they both, they're, I mean, a lot of their styles are pretty similar though. They both love the Lumineers too. We've been talking about them. Uh, uh, there's been some good clips and stuff uh, on Twitter of, uh, Instagram lives and stuff like that that we've been sending back and forth to each other during all this. So, um, so yeah, they both Lumineers have pre during pregame though. What's that? Lumineers during pregame. Oh no no no, that's not during pregame. Oh. That's, I, don't know. I would just say their their style their styles are kind of if we're talking purely pregame, I would say I kind of like uh, lots is a little more variety and a little bit more hip hop and EDM and stuff where. I don't think Jake loves that as much. I think he kind of loves the classic rock. But, I mean, again, what the time that he's got the music on, it's like two hours before the game. So, like, you don't necessarily need to have the, the stuff to get you going. So, I think the timing that we have it all at, that, they, that those guys have it all figured out, too, works out to kind of everyone's uh, advantage. It's good. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help. Great to hear from James Van Riemsdyk, and congratulations to him. Uh, on the birth of his daughter. Very exciting times for JVR, as we said. It, it was also his birthday uh, this month. So great times for the Van Den Reems like family. And hopefully we'll, we'll be uh, seeing some hockey soon. Obviously, uh, JVR has been on that uh, return to play committee where they're trying to do everything they can to have a resumption of this season. Uh, if and when the season does resume, Katie and Taryn, um, we're, we're going to start looking at, you know, some big games to be played and the Flyers will have a decision on defense. Uh, who will be the extra guy out? Uh, who will be that sixth defenseman? We've seen some discussions about Shane Gossespierre recently, just with a course, you know, he, it seems like he's always a trade candidate. And recently uh, there was an article in Sportsnet uh, identifying a trade candidate for each and every uh, NHL team. And he was the Flyers selection in that article. Um, so that, this is a good problem to have for the Flyers. But, Katie, uh, when you look at it, uh, if the season does return, they're going to have seven healthy defensemen. Who do you think is the odd man out and why? Yeah, um, and a great article by you, too, with that whole – I, you know, at the beginning of that article with Goss Despair and the trade talks, you mentioned that it's no stunner. Like, this guy has heard this from the trade deadline to maybe now if it were to come up again – um, with this recent, you know, news that those three big questions um, you mentioned in your article, which for listeners and fans right now is live on NBC Sports Philadelphia .com. Make sure to check it out. But yeah, I think um, 
a big thing. You asked a question like, who's the odd man out? No matter what, I think it's a healthy competition. I think what we saw come about through Robert Haig this season with this competition for that reason is such a benefit. I, I look at what he was able to do. Look at this player that's come about through him that was in there this whole time, but also just didn't really blossom. And I still feel like he's going to have a lot of potential um, moving forward. But I think the competition there um, with, you know, the bottom pair is a healthy competition to have. Do I think Ghost is going to be traded? I have no clue. I, I really have no opinion on it. Um, at the trade deadline, it was a possibility, and we've talked about that in our past episodes. Um, but having just this odd man out, I, I'm not too sure who it would be. You know, I, I think a lot of things, like you mentioned in your article, is Justin Braun going to be back? A lot of these big question marks that all sort of have a lot to do with that. Um, but you know what? I'm never mad to have the seventh def defenseman to answer that question. Taryn, I know you've been in a lot of talks with Mike Yo. You had a great interview with him. Um, and this is obviously a topic he's focused on as well. Yeah, and it's interesting in talking to him because we were, you know, kind of going through the team awards and I was asking coaches, you know, if you had to pick an MVP, a most improved, top defenseman, whatever. And he was when he was talking about most improved and top defenseman, there there were really three guys at the top of that in terms of Ivan Provorov stands out for obvious reasons and Matt Niskanen stands out for obvious reasons and Travis Sanheim despite a, a few games early in the year where he wasn't skating that well which is not really like Travis Sanheim he's a phenomenal skater has had a tremendous season and has taken steps and like you said Justin Braun every time you talk to me about Justin Braun they talk about how much he brings to the locker room and then when I'm talking to Mike Yo, he goes, and you know, you look at a Robert Haig, and he's not going to win that top defenseman award, and he's not going to win most improved. But you look at the way he plays, and he contributes so much to the team in a way that you don't need him to fit those two boxes. You need him to do exactly what he does, and he does it well. And he said, and then, you know, you look at Phil Myers, and he's a guy who's improved tremendously. And I know the concern has been, and it continues to be with Phil Myers, that the ceiling is very, very high. But at times, the floor has hit some, some tough lows for him. Um, but he's young. And the thing that's interesting is, as Jordan wrote about, is will Justin Braun be back? If I have a feeling based on Chuck Fletcher really does listen to his coaches and stuff, I feel like they will do what they have to do to bring Braun back, truthfully. Yeah. I, I think they want to. Kind of up to him in terms of what he wants to do, but that would be my guess based on how highly they speak of him and his character and his experience, specifically his postseason experience. With Gossip um, in general too, though, I mean, when we think about who this is as a player, like we've seen his highs and lows that you just talked about with Phil Myers specifically, like every player is going to have that. And we've seen him peak and maybe, you know, there's potential for more, but unfortunately this season, it's like the injuries really just kept him from doing that. Like, do you feel like, Chuck Fletcher and the coaching and I'm not saying do you feel like he's going to get traded but do you just like feel like they're just going to be a, a bit more patient with this guy knowing what he's capable of and that they like didn't they come up at the deadline already yeah I feel like they have been I feel like in talk in hearing the way that Alain Vigno even speaks about Ghost and when he has tougher games kind of the way that he talks about him I feel like AB has guys that he just likes right we saw in the um in the behind the glass series earlier this season, like uh, the way Chuck Fletcher really liked Chris Stewart and it didn't necessarily fit what AB was doing. I almost feel like at times 
AV really wants Shane Goss to play up to the way he knows he can play. And so there is that flexibility. Whereas, you know, I really would love to go back and watch interviews about the way bad games are addressed with Phil Myers, at least to us, right? I don't know how it is behind closed doors, but usually Elaine is really transparent. Um, and it just seems like Ghost has a slightly longer leash at times. That being said, when Shane had a couple of rough games and Phil was playing well and practicing well, I mean, Ghost got sat. Like, it wasn't between – for a while, it was Robert Hager, Phil Myers were get, was sitting down, and Ghost got scratched. Like, so I, I think that if when they come back – I don't know. It's hard to say because I do think – we have a we like I have such fatigue hearing about gossip bear trades because as I mean I see Jordan smiling over there. It, it's always ghost. It it is always ghost. Like that is always who we're talking about on the trading block because he does have such a high ceiling potentially. We've seen it from him before. The ghost trade chatter is tiresome. It really is. Like we've seen it this past trade deadline. We saw it the trade deadline in 2018-19. We saw it uh, last summer in the off season, and we're going to hear it more again. And like Taryn said, it, it makes sense. Like there's a lot of likable qualities with Shane Gossesberry. He's 27. He's not far removed from a career year when he had 65 points. Um, his contract is really team friendly. There's three more years of it for team control. There's just a lot to like about him. And the reason maybe why he's popped up is because he's fallen off a little bit. There's been some frustrating times and the flyers have gotten deeper at the position um, yeah. So if they really had an area of need uh, within their forward groups or whatever it may be, Shane Gossesberg would be a really nice trade chip that would probably uh, would warrant uh, a nice package in return. So, but he's used to it now. We've talked to him about it. It doesn't bother him. He's just so used to it. But um, yeah, I think it's a great question too. It's fun to debate because we're talking about games being played. Um, I think for me, if, if they returned – Today, I think they would roll forward with what they had, which was Phil Myers and Robert Haig, because it was working so well. But like Taryn was saying, I think Phil Myers would have a pretty short leash. If these were playoff games, real big playoff games where everyone matters, if Myers had a few hiccups and just didn't look like himself, he's never played in the playoffs before, I think AV would be qu pretty quick to go to Shane Gossespierre, a guy who's played in big games and um, is a good guy to turn to. So that's yeah. how I think with it but it's really not a bad problem to have as, a, guy, a guy too jordan that would be 100 percent healthy by that point it, it like you mentioned because you would be even considering him to get thrown in the lineup he would be 100 percent healthy like right now i felt like that's been the major holdback obviously because you can't compete at your highest potential we saw him throw the stick at practice like the frustrations you would think throughout this pause for him and through many other players in this league right now that's the benefit for this for this break uh james van reemsdijk being another example of that but you talked about this trade talk being tiresome. Something else that's tiresome. I mean, I'm not really tired of it, guys. If I can hear any rumor, I'm happy about hockey returning. But this was uh, news earlier this week, Taryn, that Jordan and I, I'm sure you saw Jordan and I talked about too, um, you know, the four hub cities. It's been a popular topic. But we also saw rumors about two cities. It could potentially just be two, two places, you know, half here, half there. Um, simplifying things quite a bit. What are your thoughts on that? Like uh, basically little, not little, but tournaments on each side. It, it definitely simplifies things quite a bit if you think about travel within the playoffs, getting games done right away. 
What are your thoughts on the two uh, cities? Your NBC Sports Philadelphia podcasts are now on the My Teams app. Listen to Eagle Eye, Sixers Talk, Phillies Talk, and Flyers Talk now. I think that the two-city model is interesting. I know, you know, not to reference JVR a million times, but in JVR's interview yesterday in the conference call that he did, that Jordan was on, um, that he discussed that they're not asking players to leave their families for months at a time. And I think when you talk about if you just put everyone in a city and they kind of all quarantine in place together, it seems like, I mean, quite literally a lot less moving pieces in terms of somebody going to this city and the hotel workers in that city and then, you're, you know, whoever you're exposed to at any point in time. It seems like it might streamline things, which feels hopeful. That being said that when I talked to JVR and I was kind of asking him about some of the bigger details, like site location, you know, number of teams, any big detail, he's kind of like, we have so many little details to iron out and we're kind of in constant communication and with talking with an epidemiologist about how those things will feasibly be addressed because the players want to know, you know, what is safe from them, just not what is the plan from the league or all that. So it's interesting because I hate to say, I feel like the NHL has tried to be very transparent, but every time I hear a rumor, I'm just like, is this something? <laughs> it's, it's that unknown. And JVR said, right now they're going with what's happening in the world. That's what's dictating their opinions on things. And so what happens in the world changes. We're talking about this today. We'll be talking about something completely different next week. So it is. It's just interesting because it sounds like it almost be f- like a fun Olympic style situation. Like it's an Olympic village of NHL teams and you can you know what I think about? Day. I think about like a state hockey tournament, <laughs> except exactly. in one, one yeah. location. Like these guys have all been through it too. We know they've played hockey their whole lives. They're just going to be going to the hotels together, having pizza parties and then going back. And yeah, I don't want to downplay the NHL playoffs, but that's what I think about. Oh yeah. They're, you know, someone's mom's bag of orange slices right? and they, so there's James's and there's Phil's and then, you know, Sydney doesn't get one and again, he doesn't get one either, but we'll give Jake Gensel one, you know, whatever. I just enjoy picturing it. Jordan's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he does that to me a lot. Don't worry. I do. But no, it is fun to think of. And those would be obviously some really big games, uh, especially in that type of setting. Uh, every game would count, of course, as they do in the playoffs. And one game that really counted uh, that a lot of fans will never forget, and uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia is re-airing it tonight, Thursday, May 21st, uh, re-airing the Claude Drew hat-trick game. It was game 82 of the 2017-18 season. The Flyers were playing the Rangers. Uh, They killed the Rangers. It got them into the playoffs. And then Claude Drew really put the icing on the cake. He had a hat-trick and it gave him a 102-point season. Uh, It was really a sight to see that day at the Wells Fargo Center. So it kind of had us talking a little bit. Uh, Claude Giroux was the first player since Eric Lindros, first Flyers player to have 100 points in a season uh, since Eric Lindros. If we had to pick one player on this roster, and it can't be Claude Giroux, obviously, who would be the guy that you would think might flirt with a 100-point season uh, on this Flyers roster? Katie, let's start with you. I'm going to go Travis Konechny. I think that this guy's capable of so many things. He's so young. He's a great key component 
um, that the Flyers signed for a reason at the beginning of this season. And I could see that happening. I feel like sky's the limit for this player. Taryn, who do you got? Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on the Travis boat as well. Um, I think Sean Couturier certainly has like the skill set that I think a hundred point guy would need, but I think his, his 200 foot game and his other responsibilities and the fact that he's also um, like, he's kind of the maestro of a lot of plays where he's orchestrating the whole thing and he doesn't necessarily finish off the play. He's not in that position at that point. Um, but TK as a finisher, I think is in the best position there, but I certainly think, I mean, I don't think it's going to happen for Sean. Hopefully I say that it's like a reverse jinx and it just happens. But, um, but I think when you look at what Sean does and what he's capable of offensively, if he didn't have so much responsibility, maybe I don't know. I just like playing around with the hypothetical of like, well, what if Sean played here? And then this was this and that was that. But I think it's realistically, it's got to be Travis. I think so too, Taryn. I, I like the idea. Of, I like the, <laughs> I like the idea of Sean Couturier. If I had to try to maybe get, pick someone other than Travis Konechny, I think I'd probably go him. But yeah, Konechny, he's only 23 years old. He's only getting better. We're starting to see him become kind of a prolific scorer. And he's kind of that dual threat guy who's, not just a goal scorer and he's not just a, a play. He's not just a facilitator. He's both. Um, so if I had to pick one guy, uh, connect me, he's only 23 and he's continuing to uh, climb. I think it would probably have to be him, but hopefully we will see that one day. Uh, that would be fun. Claude Drew, that was, that was a hell of a season and uh, it came off one of his worst years ever. So that was a fun memory to relive that you can relive tonight on NBC sports, Philadelphia as it re-airs. Yeah, we love these re-airs too, don't we, guys? This is, I mean, it's not a fun time to have, to have no hockey, but at least you can look back a little bit on the history, especially for the Flyers' current captain. But, um, Jordan, you did mention Eric Lindros there, and this is another topic. Um, we saw that Patrick Kane was voted as the best number 88 in NHL history, um, which would mean Eric Lindros was out of it. And, I mean, when you really look at the numbers, okay, like spread out here, Patrick Kane has three cups, three cups more than Eric Lindros. Um, and he's already at a thousand, over 1,000 points in his career, and he's still obviously going. Eric Lindros, um, 80, 865 points in his career. I mean, he has such a, an expanded resume as well and the accomplishments he was able to do with the Flyers. So I really can't argue this. I don't know about you guys, but it's also just that like, ugh, like Patrick Kane, like ugh, really that's who you're going to pick. But it's like, I guess it's understandable when you look at the numbers. I don't know how you feel, Taryn. I mean, it's like, it's hard to really give credit where credit's due, but I, I mean, I guess you could go for Patrick Kane, the best number 88. Yeah, It's tough because it's like game six in 2010, Patrick Kane stole a piece of my soul that I will never have back. And it doesn't make sense. And I was in a physics class at the time and physically speaking, it didn't make sense. And it still doesn't make sense to me. And I don't truly believe that it happened, but um, like at the same time, you look at Patrick Kane's body of work and you're just like, okay, whatever. Uh, it's kind of my approach to it. Not to dismiss anything, <laughs> Jordan. Not to dismiss anything that Lindros did, but 
And, and hey, I'm I am totally here to admit, like I probably have some bias too because I grew up watching more Patrick Kane. Like I, Lindros was really when I was so young for a good chunk of his prolific career. I mean, so, but it is hard for me to argue against Patrick Kane, even though game six is really just like a brutal childhood memory that I will never recover from and have everlasting trauma as a result. Jordan, how do you feel? No, it's perfectly put. Um, it's, t- it's hard to argue that body of work. He's won three Stanley Cups. He's got Lindros in um, a lot of statistical categories. Lindros, unfortunately, you know, he was, he got injured and his career was kind of cut short. Um, but his time was real memorable. What made him memorable was he kind of like revolutionized the game a little bit because he was kind of this like hybrid of, uh, of size and then also finesse and skill. So he, he was just so different and unique. But when you look at Patrick Kane, it's, I'm not sure how you can um, argue that he's not the best 88 ever. Just the body of work is too impressive. Uh, but of course, it stings a little bit because it's a guy that really gave nightmares to Flyers fans and Taryn herself. And, I, know, I was about uh, to ask, like, Taryn, are you okay? Like, are you good? Are you good? It's whatever. It's like rude to bring up on a podcast that I'm on because it was like such just soul crushing. Yeah. But you're good. But we have to talk about. I mean, it's hockey. It's just like it's like I sit there and when certain games go a certain way, I'm just like, wow, that's really rude. Like <laughs> another team. But that's how sports. That's how sports work. Like just. Patrick Kane, what a talented, talented butthead. Like, that's yeah. how I feel about it. <laughs> and if it makes Flyers fans feel better, Patrick Kane and the Blackhawks are kind of on the downslope a little bit, and the Flyers yeah. seem like they're on the incline. So that's that's an exciting yeah. thing. Maybe things are starting to turn in terms of uh, – the, So the there you go. Yeah, what's up? Um, no, no, we just need three cups. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And this was, this was another fun topic that we wanted to debate a little bit, and it kind of ties into Eric Lindros because he's such a historical figure within the organization. Um, if we had to pick one player to have a statue outside of Wells Fargo Center, uh, who would it be? That's a tough one because there's a lot of, you know, there's rich history in the organization. I want a statue of, like, Bernie Perrant, but through the years, like, various statues because Bernie's a gem. And then on the bottom, it just says, only the Lord saves more than Bernie Perron. The famous saying. That's all I want. I just think Bernie, I just love, and every time I interview Bernie Perron, I'm just like, first of all, you're an icon. Second of all, he's just like hysterical to talk to. And, and he's Bernie. Like, the Flyers' history with the Cups in 74 and 75 like Bernie is such an important thread in the fabric of that to me. I like it. That's my decision. Taryn, I like that. Bernie Prime. You, that's a really good one. So much personality, like you said, great guy. Um, I don't, this obviously would not happen, but I think it'd be pretty cool if it did just for the, the look of the statue. Uh, I think a statue of that Danny Breer uh, fist pump would be pretty awesome. Um, but that was obviously such a signature celebration. Kids uh, imitated it. Fans loved it. Uh, and he had so many cool moments. So I know he never won a cup here, um, but he's such a good guy. And that celebration, I think that, that would look really, really cool, I think, outside the, outside the arena. 
And the statue will age as slowly as Danny Barrera ages. Exactly. He'll still, he could probably go out there and look just like it. So good stuff. Yeah. I mean, I just have to say I'm very like, I'm thrilled. We don't have all the same one. Cause I am not even close. This is going to throw you guys off. Okay. But it's great. And you talk about what would look good. Okay. And I just want you to envision a good Scotty Hartnell doing the Hulk Hogan. Oh, that is that. a good one. Think about that. All I thought, like when we thought about this topic earlier, I'm like, who's the first person that comes to mind? You think about Scott Hartnell too, like his achievements on the ice, but what he was able to add, the emotion to the game, and that big Hulk Hogan will never be forgotten. He did it at the ceremony again that we saw. Um, Think about that. That'd be a sweet statue. How do you do Scott Hartnell's hair in like a bronze statue though? Ooh. Well, he did cut it. He, he's got shorter hair, but you, I course, know, but the, you have to like do it the, in the moment. Yeah. Um, it? it was like, it was like my length. Though. Yeah. That's low, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Let's think about that. Let's definitely just get like a Bob Ross wig from a Halloween store and just <laughs> plop it in some bronze. Or something though. That's for sure. I think, uh, I think we should definitely consider some of this too. I don't even know where you go for a statue. Like, hey, we're putting in a petition for. <laughs> yeah. we'll get you, know that. you know, it'd be interesting not to go back to Bernie, but like, it's always whenever I see pictures of him, especially when he was younger, it's like his eyes are two different colors, obviously. Like, if they could make the statue have one blue eye and one brown eye, that'd be Ooh. so. That'd be really cool. Some sort of shading that they could do. That'd be sweet. That'd yeah. make it really interesting. Uh, yeah. Overall, it's always such an honor, Taryn, to have you join us. Um, yeah. This is fun. I, I mean, hey, when there isn't any hockey, we have to make our own fun. And that's exactly what we do. And honestly, guys, that's what it's all about. You know, we just have fun. Okay, this Sports. is getting really easy. Bringing Sports. people together. Uh, having but- fun. Making families out of strangers. <laughs> but yeah, I am Taryn. losing my mind. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> we'll let you go, Taryn. Thanks again for hopping on today. Aloha. Thank you so much again, Taryn Hatcher, for joining us. And Katie Emmer, as always, thank you. That is the latest Flyers Talk podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe. And we can't wait to talk to you next time. Bye. Stanley Cup playoff overtime hockey is the greatest thing going. Game four of the 2000 Eastern Conference semifinals proves that by being the longest game in the modern era of the National Hockey League. The game lasted over seven hours. Throughout the eight periods, players cramped up, had 10-second shifts on the ice, and the arena ran out of food, as told by Flyers play-by-play broadcaster Jim Jackson. They brought pizza to us well into the night. And they kind of surprised us. They came back a little earlier than expected. I said, welcome back to Civic Arena here in Pittsburgh. And I look at Dorney, and he's got pizza coming out of the corner of his mouth. Sports Uncovered presents the Marathon on Ice.